Be seated and join with me in our uh, call to worship res uh, found responsively in your bulletin and hopefully on the screen. Hose Just exit out of it completely. Oh, okay. All right. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest heaven. Blessed is the one who comes with healing and compassion. 
Lord, rest your hand of healing on our hearts today. Amen. Our next song is number 278, Hosanna, loud Hosanna. Can you just click, 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 click through? Okay. You're going to have to escape, though, and then just go to the next one, because otherwise the next hymn will pop up. This will give your vocal cords a little time to rest, because I know I'm working them really hard this morning. You haven't used them in a very long time, and then I threw a five-verser at you. But it's Palm Sunday. This was the first real church celebration I ever attended as a young person, and I will always remember that. And so I hope that this is memorable for you too as we continue to celebrate Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Keep going. Nope, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. There you go. <laughs> you hit the wrong button. Okay, this is the morning that Todd forgot his glasses. And so I'm so sorry, hon. I'm so sorry. Let's see if we can do this without the music. Hey, can you try to help us? Okay, number 278. It's a Palm Sunday standard. Okay, crank it up. Are we ready? No.
Jerry. And thank you, Todd. Now I invite the children to pay attention, all of you out there, and those of you that are on uh, your tablets or computers or whatever it is you are watching, um, so we have our children's time. So Todd, at the very bottom, Cam, will you go and make this full screen? Huh? It's PowerPoint. Thank you. Okay, so, so sometimes you know people can be mean, can't they? Can people be mean? Can people be mean? Can people be mean? Yeah. Can people be mean? Yep, uh-huh, yep, yep, yep. And on Good Friday, the Friday that Jesus was arrested, people were really mean to him. They were jealous of him. And they bullied him, and they said things to him like, if you're the king of the Jews, why can't you save yourself? And they teased him, and they spit on him, and they made him wear a horrible, painful crown of thorns. You see this crown of thorns up here? It was like that. Can you imagine that on your head, how much that would hurt? So I have something for you to see today. Can you give me the next slide? Charlie, can you give me the next slide? Okay. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Okay. Well, for those of you who are at home, you can see that there is a sign. And in three different languages, this sign said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And it said it, like I said, in three different languages. It said it in Hebrew, it said it in Greek, and it said it in Latin. And this was hanging above Jesus as he was hanging on the cross. A sign that read, Jesus Christ, King of the Jews. And do you know why they put that sign over his head? Was it just supposed to be like a name tag? Actually, they thought they were making fun of him. They thought that they were mocking him with this sign. But in reality, they weren't. But they thought that a king was someone who had lots of riches and maybe a castle or a palace and lots of servants. There we go. But they didn't realize that Jesus came as king who was different. He's the king that did absolutely everything to show us that he loved us. And he put up with all the bullies and the mean people when he died in order to save us by dying on the cross. That means we don't have to worry about the mean people of the world. And we don't even have to worry about death because of the love of Jesus who is far more powerful than any bullies and far more powerful than death. One more click. Perfect. Jesus is our glorious king. His palace is in heaven. His riches are all creation. And he has power beyond measure. And so we thank God for the gift of his son, Jesus, who is the king for all of us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, when I see you on the cross, 
help me remember I'm looking at my king, the king who chose to suffer just to show me how much you love me so that I can live in your kingdom forever. Amen. Part of our worship is singing. Part of our worship is praying. Part of our worship is giving. So I invite our ushers to come forward now to collect our morning tithes and offerings. Please be seated. As we enter now into our time of prayer, a few prayer requests to share with you. Um, we would like to be in prayer for the family of Kay Winter, who passed away this week. Um, Wyvon asks for prayers for her cousin, Avenel Hooks, who at age 96 fell yesterday and broke several ribs. So she's at St. Anthony's, so if you will please pray for her. We also ask for prayers for Barry Hoisty, Horst, who broke his wrist. We want to, of course, continue to pray for our country, for the um, efficacy of the uh, uh, vaccine, um, that's going to be open up to everybody soon. I get mine on tomorrow, my first tomorrow. I'm very excited about that. So um, we want to continue, of course, to pray for families, for medical workers, and all those who are still deep, deep into this coronavirus pandemic. We want to continue to pray for our country, its leaders, and for those who experienced uh, the tornadoes over this weekend in the south. I invite you now into a few moments of personal prayer time. 
creator God, you are the God of celebration. And just as the people of Jerusalem celebrated as Jesus came into Jerusalem, Lord, we celebrate this opportunity to worship you this morning. Lord, we celebrate that we are singing this morning and that uh, we are gathered here in the church. We also celebrate that we can still share the gospel through the internet and worship with those at home. It is a celebration, God, any time we gather to give you thanks and praise. And when we gather to God, we gather humbly because we gather knowing that we are not perfect people, but Lord, through the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, we are people who are called to repent and we are people of grace and forgiveness. So God, forgive us our sins, the things that we have done this week, the things that we didn't do that we should have. God, thank you for your forgiveness, your love, your grace that you show us. Lord, now we pray for our country, our world, our community that is in need of your grace, of your healing, of your love. God, we pray that you will heal in those places where there is illness and injury, where there is need for reconciliation and forgiveness. God, we pray that you will grant your peace in places where there is violence, where there is injustice. God, we pray that you will provide for those who are hungry, who are without a safe place to live. And God, provide your spirit to all of us so that we might all know your love. And that might be in the great excitement of celebration. And Lord, too, that we might know your love in the quiet moments. We remember, God, that as Jesus got closer to the end of the week, he came closer to taking his last steps and his last breaths. And we know that he was grieved. And God, we grieve too for many things. Lord, be with us in our grief as you were with Jesus in those moments. Above all, God, we just thank you and we praise you for the salvation that we have through Jesus, through his example, through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. And now we join our voices together to pray to you, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It was a busy week. 
It was a busy week for Jesus and his disciples. They had traveled for the last time. He knew that. They didn't. But they traveled for the last time down to the Jerusalem area. They stayed in Bethany, which was over the mount on the other side of the Mount of Olives. But on that day, on that Sunday, Jesus got onto the colt, the donkey, and traveled down the steep, steep hill of the Mount of Olives with people lined on the streets, waving their palms, celebrating the coming of the Messiah. He went down into the valley, and then he started back up and went to the temple. And that was his pattern then for the next three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He'd stay in Bethany, go down the Mount of Olives, up into Jerusalem to where the temple was located, where he would teach, he would preach, and he would anger people. Because he was speaking not as a king, as a Messiah, as they had expected, but he was speaking words of challenge and also words of grace, words about a death and words about a resurrection. And then we came to Thursday. Thursday was the day of preparation for the the Passover, And Jesus and his disciples were going to gather together for a Passover meal. He instructed Simon, Peter, and John to go into the city to secure a room for them to share this meal together. And so on that Thursday, I imagine that Simon Peter wasn't hanging out with Jesus so much, but he was making preparation, making sure the room was ready. Do we have enough food? Do we have enough servants? Is everything going to be ready for this meal with the Messiah? And so Jesus and the rest of the disciples arrived at what we know of as the upper room. It probably was up above. And there they shared a meal together where Jesus did and said things that none of the disciples expected. Last week we talked about how Jesus washed the disciples' feet. But it was also at this meal where Jesus took bread, he broke it and he blessed it, and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. And then he took a cup of wine and he again blessed it and said, take and drink. This is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. All of this new and all of this strange. And then Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. But we know that not to be the case. In fact, They stuck with him for a while. After the meal and the singing of the hymns, they went to the Mount of Olives, to that large mountain. 
And they went to a garden there called Gethsemane. And there Jesus said he was going to go and pray. And so he left a group of disciples in one spot, but he invited Simon, Peter, James, and John to come further into the garden with him. And he said, would you please stay and watch with me? And so Jesus went further into the garden and he prayed anguished prayers, knowing that he was about to be arrested because one of his disciples had betrayed him. And over the course of three hours, he would come back to Simon, Peter, James, and John and find them not watching, but sleeping. He'd come and say, are you, why are you awake? Why, why, why aren't you awake? Why are you asleep? Could you not stay awake with me for this one hour? And then he'd go back to pray, come back to them, find them asleep again. Now, I have to be honest with you. This is probably between the time, between like 2 o'clock in the morning and 5 o'clock in the morning. It's tough to stay awake at that time. And your belly's full because you just had this big meal and your mind is a little full because you have heard all these words from Jesus and you're not exactly sure what they mean. But whatever the case, three times, three times, Peter, James, and John fell asleep on Jesus while he asked them to keep watch. But at the final time that he woke them up, Jesus probably saw the glow of the torches as they came towards him. And a group of people, a group of soldiers, or members of the, the chief priests came to arrest Jesus. And Judas Iscariot came and kissed Jesus on the cheek to identify him. And that's when everyone made their move to arrest him. Now, Peter, Peter was ready. Peter apparently had a sword with him, and he was ready to defend his king. He was ready to defend his Messiah. And he whipped out his sword, and he whacked. He swung and he took off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the chief priest. He was ready to defend his Jesus, his Savior, because that's what he believed he was called to do, and that's how much he believed in Jesus. Remember, he had just told Jesus hours earlier that he would never desert him. But Jesus again corrects Peter and says, this is not the way. He heals Malchus, and then he is taken away to the home of the chief priest. And as that was happening, the rest of the disciples scattered. Oh, we will never leave you. We will never deny you. Yet they fell away. Now, Simon, Peter, and John, they did kind of follow Jesus to the home of Caiaphas, the chief priest. It would have been a long walk down the rest of the Mount of Olives, back up then to where we believe Caiaphas's house was. And there is still an old Roman road there that we believe was the road that Jesus walked up. And so while Jesus was inside being questioned, being imprisoned, Peter stood out in the courtyard Peter stood out in the courtyard waiting to see what happened. How very daring of him. 
How very loyal of him to stick with Jesus through it all, just like he said. But then this happened. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 27, starting at verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, You were also with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before all of them, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. When he went out to the porch, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to curse, and he swore an oath, I do not know the man. At that moment, the cock crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is a sculpture at the site that we believe was Caiaphas's courtyard. It is um, at the church of St. Peter in Gallicantu, which means St. Peter in Cockcrow. And here the people are represented, the Roman centurion, the, the women, and then Peter at the bottom denying Christ, and then the rooster at the top. And we know that Peter, oh, Peter, he failed. He failed miserably. He did exactly what he told Jesus he wouldn't do. And, and, it, and it's not like he said, well, I kind of know him, but we're not good friends. You know, he didn't say, oh, I've seen him, but I don't know him. No. He flat out denied him. I do not know the man. I do not know the man. Surely, we could understand that Peter was, was scared in the moment. Maybe he, he feared for his life, but this is a Peter who had so much courage to come to the courtyard in the first place. But when it came down to it, when he was asked, he denied. He was scared, and he saved his own skin. In the course of just a few hours, Peter went from the one who was ready to defend Jesus with a sword to denying he even knows Jesus. And so he fled. And he went out and he wept bitterly, it said. Ugh. Oh, that moment. That moment. When he was asked, are you with him? Are you one of those followers? And he said, no. It's an extraordinary moment in history. But it's also very often a moment that we experience ourselves. A moment 
where we might be asked to stand up for our faith, to claim that, yes, we are a follower of Jesus, and then, for whatever reason, we may deny. This is a story of Peter's failure. But I think one of the reasons why we know this story so well is because Peter told this story over and over again. You know, history usually only keeps the good stories. You know, history is written by the victors. You don't often hear about the minds and the hearts of the people on the losing side. But yet we have this story of Peter, and it's not just a little failure he did. It's a huge one. He failed completely. But we know this story in all likelihood because Peter himself told it. Again and again, over and over again. Why? Because he's Peter. He is Peter, who Jesus said, you are the rock that I will build my church upon. And so Peter could stand and say, I am the rock in which Jesus was building his church on, but see, I am frail also. I have failed also. But I was not defined by my failure. Instead, I am defined by the grace and the forgiveness of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter shows us that we are not defined by our failures. God doesn't define us by the worst thing that we could ever do. And we can do bad things. Culture will always call upon us to deny our faith, to deny our Jesus. And we do it through the small things that we might do, the gossip, the materialism, to the larger things that we might do, mistreating of other people. Or perhaps it's when we remain silent about things instead of speaking up, when we don't do, when we should do. We, too, have lived inconsistently with our faith. But Peter shows us that God still makes use of us, that God still redeems us, just like he did for Peter. As Adam Hamilton says in his book, Simon Peter, Jesus is the Lord of second chances. If the disciple who denies knowing Jesus could become the rock on which the church was built, there is hope for all of us. At this time of year, I'm always reminded, even though it happened in later April, I'm reminded of the mass shooting at Columbine High School that happened in 1999. Some of you were not born yet. But in that day, two young men came into their high school with guns and they proceeded to kill fellow classmates and teachers. And there is a story of one woman, young woman, student that he went up to, pointed the gun at and said, do you believe in God? He obviously didn't. 
but she was asked, do you believe in God? And she said, yes, yes, I do. Her admission cost her her life. He then shot her. But she, in that moment, was not afraid and would not deny her faith. That is courage that most of us will not have. But it is courage that we can strive for. And our moments, our moments might not be big like that, but our moments still will have impact. I'm going to read you this, a story that is in um, uh, Adam Hamilton's book about a fellow clergy person. He's a clergy, fellow clergy person of mine, too. Um, about Jorge Acevedo, who is the pastor of a large United Methodist church in Florida. So Jorge tells a story about how his church's addiction ministries began. And they began because of his own admission during a communion service that he struggled with alcoholism. During his invitation to the Lord's Supper, uh, Reverend Acevedo said, so if you struggle with alcohol like I do, then please know that this is a safe table for you because they were serving grape juice. So he goes on to say, what I didn't even realize was that I was outing myself as a person in recovery that day. Some people were shocked when I said it, but a funny thing happened. Everyone in church that day who was an alcoholic or who had struggled with some kind of addiction, went out and found their friends who struggled with the same issues and told them, you've got to come to this church with me. My pastor knows what it's like to struggle with addiction. Today, more than 1,000 people gather every week at one of the five campuses of Grace Church to participate in their 12-step programs. In fact, their ministry is one of the largest recovery programs in the country, and it started because the pastor was willing to tell a story of his failings and his struggles. We are not perfect, but we are forgiven. Simon Peter failed, but he was not defined by that failure. You and I fail, but we are not defined by that failure either. Instead, we are defined by the grace of God, by a Lord and Savior who lived our lives, died our deaths, but then rose again. To get to that place of resurrection was painful. It was painful for Jesus, and it was painful for the disciples too. But in the end, there was this blessed morning three days after Jesus' death, when everything in the world would change. That is what we look forward to this week for next Sunday, and it's what we look forward to each and every day through our faith in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Loving, gracious God, Lord, Grant all of us faith and grant all of us courage that in spite of our failings, in spite of our denials, 
Grant us the courage and faith to follow you wherever you call us to go. And grant us the faith and courage to share with you anywhere that we go. Amen. As I alluded to, next Sunday is uh, Easter. So before that, we will be having a Maundy Thursday, a Holy Thursday worship service here at 7 o'clock. It will also be online. We will be sharing communion at that time as we remember the Last Supper. And then we will be having a service of darkness, which is what called Tenebrae, uh, as we remember how the disciples left and denied Jesus and how Jesus died for us. For me, it is the most powerful worship service of the year, so I hope that you can either join us here at 7 or join us online. Then on Easter morning, we will be having a 7.30 sunrise worship service in the courtyard. It will be outside. The weather looks great, but a little chilly, so wear your coats. Come out at 7.30. And then between worship services, we will have muffins and juice provided by the Family Ministries Committee. And so you are welcome to come to that, to the sunrise service, and or come to our Easter celebration at 9 o'clock. Yes. Right. You don't have to come to sunrise for juice and muffins. But if you're one of those folks who's going to stay through anyway, then... Stay through and know that you'll have juice and muffins. Or come to juice and muffins and then go to 9 o'clock worship service. So um, one last thing. I am looking folks who would be, for folks who would be willing to read at the Thursday night service, just a short bit of scripture. So if you're willing to do that, um, come and let me know. I'd appreciate that. And after this worship service, we're going to pile into our cars with our palms, and we are going to drive through town waving our palms, high, uh, honking our horns, driving past folks that we know um, to celebrate Christ's coming and preparing the way of the Lord. So that will happen in about 10 minutes. In the meantime, we will now share in our closing hymn that reminds us of all that Christ did for us in this holy week. So let us join our voices together to sing what wondrous love is this. The first three verses, number one, uh, 292 in the hymnal. Wondrous love is this. 
to all. Let us share, share to all. Let us give thanks for God who has given us his son, Jesus Christ, who has come, who has lived, and who has died, and who was raised to save us from our sins. Let us go in the peace of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit until we gather again. My car is the bright blue car here on North 2nd Street at the corner. I will be leading the parade. So if you'd like to line up your cars behind me and around the corner, then we will begin. And for those of you that are watching on home, there is a map on our Facebook page showing our route and we will be driving through the Lutheran Care Center. So uh, be prepared for that. I'm very excited. Peace. The First United Methodist Church is a church of open hearts, open minds, and open doors, seeking to help everyone come to know Jesus Christ, both in Altamont and around the world. Our worship services are at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and all are welcome in person after the COVID crisis, but now online at our YouTube channel, Altamont First UMC. You can also find the link on Facebook at our Facebook page, First United Methodist Church Altamont. We will begin worship shortly.